I don't think that I would have had the heart to put in the effort and energy. I wouldn't have had the mind to come up with the plan to get out of it if I hadn't have believed that I was somehow different and capable of being something more. This is your Badass Journey podcast. I am Kareen Walsh, serial entrepreneur, executive leadership coach, and author of the Be a Badass Six Tools to Uplevel Your Life. Each week, I will bring you a guest or a thought that will help you integrate who you really are with what you do. I call that living a badass life. Are you with me? Let's go. Welcome, everybody, to your Badass Journey podcast. Today, I have Brianna Zajcek on today's episode, and I cannot wait to share this powerhouse with you. She is someone who, at a very early age, realized she was different and used that to her advantage. She basically has built and launched multi-million dollar companies and now has her own you know, programming and education and um, methods that she shares with all of you called the One Year Project. She's also looking into developing Total Freedom Formula for all of you to figure out ways on how to truly live a fulfilled life, earn the income you truly desire, and enjoy every single day waking up with excitement to get it done. Her journey did not start easy. And so she shares a little bit about that with us. And I'm just so excited to share just a small piece of Brianna with all of you because she is a very large personality with a lot, a lot of impact. So I can't wait to share with you. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. Here's Brianna. Brianna, I cannot wait for folks to hear from you and Welcome to the show. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kareen. I'm excited to be here and um, just share with your your audience my badass journey. Yeah. So why don't we start there, Brianna, um, so folks understand. Basically, what I like to do is when I, when I start out the interview is just for you to share in your own words how you got to where you are today. And you can start wherever um, you'd like to start. Yeah, um, yeah. So please share with us. I would say I got to where I am today. If if I go as far back as I can possibly think, I think one of one of the guiding kind of principles and thoughts that's always led me to where I am is just the the thought that I was different. And the reason why that that thought was so important to me um, was that I came from a family that hadn't really accomplished anything. Um, no one in my family had barely graduated high school, much less going to college, and so. You know, as young as I can remember, thinking that I was different, that I wasn't like them, gave me the power to then decide my own path. And so, you know, I ended up in, and I'd say, a not not so great situation. When I got a little bit older, I was a teen mom, and that's when it really hit me. It was like, okay, I can go down two paths, and I can go down the path of reinforcing this generations and generations of poverty and sadness and just crazy things that have happened to my family, or I can find a way to break away from that. And I think, um, you know, I obviously found a way to break away from that, but it, it, was, it was a little bit of hustling and it was a lot of master planning, but I don't think that I would have had the heart to put in the effort and energy. I wouldn't have had the mind to come up with the plan to get out of it 
if I hadn't have believed that I was somehow different and capable of being something more. I love that that's the foundation of your core belief system, you know, that, that there's a pride in your difference, you know, yeah. to take action against it. I mean, that's huge. And just so folks know, can you give them a little bit of understanding of the businesses you have today and mm-hmm. just so they understand how far you've come in your journey? Sure, sure. So I remember when I was kind of a teen mom and I was in a bad marriage and I was like, oh my God, I have to get out of this. What am I going to do? Um, and so what it started out looking like was I have to keep going to college. And I didn't really... I was. I had scholarships, but... Um, at one point, I was like toting my daughter in her carrier to class me to ride a bus to walk a few miles to do this, just so I could peek in the window of college. So, so that was kind of my mindset, like whatever it takes. Um, and then around that same time, I was a server, so I was making about three dollars an hour, and I was again walking, and I'd put my daughter in her carrier in the kitchen while I would serve tables and I would make money. And then my, I, by the time I got home, my arms would be shaking, just carrying her all, all of those miles. But I remember one of the questions I asked myself, I said, okay, obviously I'm not going to make it serving. And at the time I was working on a degree and I had an internship as well. And I realized that in that industry it was very bureaucratic and it was going to take me a very long time to work my way up. So I said, okay, I need something different. I need something fast. So I asked myself a question of, what industries allow people without degrees who are intelligent, who are very young, because at the time I'm only 19, to work their way up if they're smart? And I went kind of industry by industry and I discovered the technology industry. And I said, well, there are tons of like high school dropouts and college dropouts and really young people seem to actually be respected in that industry. As we're in every other industry, they respect age and experience and all these other things. So once I kind of narrowed that down, I said, well, I'm going to apply to 100 technology jobs a day for 100 days. And that's going to be what I do to move myself forward into a place of higher potential. So I did that and I ended up getting um, an admin assistant role. So my whole role was to collect timesheets. Okay. (laughs) My sole goal was to collect timesheets from consultants and contractors. So I I would have to collect timesheets and then I got moved up to being able to book their travel, which was like Mm -hmm. some big promotion, right? But one of the things I did um, in the first week that I worked at that job is I walked into the CEO's office. And even though I had no reason I should walk in there and I said, Hey, tell me every problem in the company, I'll fix it. And so I somehow built enough rapport and belief in him that he thought, you know what? It's not going to hurt anything to tell this chick what's wrong with the company. And if she goes out on her own mission and tries to fix it, then you know what's the worst that happens? So he told me everything and I went department by department and I would work probably... 12 to 18 hours a day. Um, and I would go department by department in the middle of the night and I would dig through all their documents, everything, and come up with a way to fix their department. Um, and over the course of about 18 months, the company went from around 6 million to 40 million. And I became the vice president of the company. I ran it. I went to India. I opened up offices there, did all sorts of things. But that was really how I got into this world. Once I got into the world, I then realized I didn't want to have a boss <laughs> and that I was building someone else's dreams. And even though I was making relatively good money for a, for a college dropout teen mom, I was not making good money in comparison to the amount of value I had added. 
So to add $40 million a year worth of value and to get paid a few hundred thousand dollars, that didn't add up to me. And especially when I was giving it my heart and soul and I was getting crisis phone calls in the middle of the night. Meanwhile, the CEO is like off in Switzerland skiing with his new girlfriend. And mm-hmm. he doesn't even know that you know anything's happening. So um, from there, I moved into entrepreneurship and I was able to build my first company while still working at that company. And I really never looked back since then. I've built and sold several technology companies, some companies outside of technology as well. And I um, even went back, got a degree and worked on my PhD as well. That's amazing. Uh, Brianna, that's like so inspiring because it was really your willingness you know, to step into that difference that you bring yeah. to the table, right? Like, and, yeah. and then go and apply it in every single angle of somebody else's company to flex your own sure. muscles, really, right? Yeah. Uh, I tell people too, I say, you know, how many people would have gone into that job and said, this is bullshit, I can do more than timesheets, right? Yeah. How yeah. many people would have gone into that job and said, oh, am I getting paid overtime for this? Am I going to get a bonus for all the stuff I do? I never once thought those kind of thoughts. Right. And so I didn't even, I didn't even ask what's going to happen once I solve the problem, because that wasn't the point to me. The point was to add the maximum amount of value I could add, even though of course I wanted to, to get rich and make a lot of money and do all those things. My primary objective was just to be a higher level person. And I think because of that, all the rewards did come. Um, but I could have gone in there and said, okay, I'll fix this, but I'm going to increase my rate or you're going to give me a bonus or uh, every hour I work is going to be overtime. And then maybe I wouldn't have been given those opportunities, right? Yeah. But I seized the opportunity because it came at no cost to anyone. And that allowed me to become the person that, that I, I was meant to become. Yeah. And it's cool because you got to see under the hood across all different departments of a company to also figure out that you'd rather be running them and helping other people grow than a spoke in the wheel of an existing system. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. And that's a really good... And, and just so people have some perspective, because those listening cannot see how young you are. Um, <laughs> what, what, was the age, what was the age range um, when you were actually in that firm going across the departments? Sure. Open so up I'd say I, it started around 20. And so there was a lot of resistance as well. I had to overcome the resistance of, okay, I'm walking into a department with a 55-year-old leader. Right. And here I am, this teenage chick who's overambitious, or young adult chick who's overambitious, who's coming in and saying, your department has problems, which is already puts them in a defensive mode. Right. And then I'm also saying I can solve them as if there was a clear solution that they just hadn't implemented, right? right. So learning to navigate those sorts of personal relationships... I'm learning how to communicate my way through those things yeah. um, and learning how to show up and be me, which can be intimidating. Like yeah. I yeah. walk into a room and people are like, who the heck is this chick? Because of the sheer power that I, I tend to carry myself with. Right. And so it's gotten me into some sticky situations, certainly. And especially when dealing with people who, who are of a high esteem, but learning how to do it with a little bit more grace and um, a lot of heart for the people that I'm helping has, has helped me along the way. Um, just, just over communicating my way through things. I love that because it's, it's always a skill to develop, I think, level of communication based on the environments that you're in. You know, each situation commands something different. 
yeah. right? Like, and, and so that's and each person. That- and so there, there's a lot of feeling that out the situation and the people and the dynamics and the ripple effects, like everything has to be taken into account. And, and, you know, and it's always, a, um, especially as you go into leadership roles, you know, as you've managed your own companies now, and then you help other people also navigate that too, you know, the, that value and that communication, communication exchange and like seeing the other person and then also allowing them to be heard, you yeah. know, so the 20 year old version of you and the now version of you, what would you say, how would you approach some things different? Like what was the best lesson in that time? And, and maybe, well, is there well I think different? one thing that I find interesting is some places that maybe I've regressed. And, mm-hmm. and so maybe we can talk about that. And yeah, that, I'd love to hear that. I, I came to the point where I am today and now I've, I've added a lot more value than I ever did back then. And I got to a point where I thought, like, I need a lot of courses. I need a lot of coaches. I need a lot of mentors. Maybe that's what's holding me back to the next level. Mm. And so I went into this mode of over-consuming information. And when I broke into kind of like the online space, I felt a little unworthy or unready or not knowledgeable enough to really make it. And so I thought I should go out and collect all the knowledge and all the information and then come at it and really take care of it. But when I look back at what I did differently when I was younger, when I walked into that company, I knew nothing about corporate. I knew nothing about technology. I knew nothing about any of it. But my belief was that I could just walk in and identify problems and use my common sense and solve things. So I, I stayed in constant mode of action. I didn't go out and read books on how to be a technology leader. I didn't go out and read books on how to be a good director or vice president or how to lead people or how to do teamwork. And almost one way that I've regressed is as I've been older and wiser, I've tried to consume a lot of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And the differing opinions put you in a, in a state of analysis paralysis so, so often. So I've, I've moved away from action. And so one of the, the ways I've been trying to get back to that is really one of the greatest skills that I think I'm, I'm learning at the moment is how to take in a ton of knowledge but then still figure out what is my guiding path, what is my intuition, what is my right, and moving forward and taking action on it in confidence is something that that, that I'm mastering as we speak. I think that's beautiful because um, a lot of the times the cycle of learning can, like you said, make you feel so crippled, right? Because yeah. then you start to compare yourself like, my God, I was doing all this stuff before and I didn't know this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, well, um, and also there's, there's 20 different ups, experts for everything. So you're doing sales one way and then you realize right. that everyone, there's five people saying that that's the wrong way. And there's 10 people saying it's the right way. And there's 20 people saying to do it another way. Yeah. And it can be really confusing, especially if it's an area where you're not naturally inclined to know the answer. Right. And then it, it just also makes you feel like, you were an imposter sometimes, you know, that, that you didn't know all these ways and, and you had your own way and was that enough? And it, it, yeah, yeah. It, it's really a, a, an interesting cycle. I go through it myself. And then I find that I have to check in with myself and say, what's true to me? Yeah. Like what's true to me right now in who I am as a whole person that's accomplished, right? And say, this is what's true to me and this is the best well, way. Well, sometimes, sometimes I think the advantage comes in the not knowing, Right. Because when you go in with existing frameworks, then you want to leverage those existing frameworks. But when you go into something with nothing, then you get to 
approach it from a fresh perspective not the perspective of 25 experts before you. And yes, there is some source of knowledge and and following other people's ways. But yes, there is some knowledge and you looking at something from a fresh set of eyes, from a different industry, from a different angle, from a different perspective to solve something in a different way. Um, so that's... And, and, and I thought earlier, one, one of the things that was cool is we are talking about um, communication. And I, I think I just mentioned sales as well. So recently I've been trying to work on my sales skills and I never realized before that I'd never developed that skill. Mm. Um, I naturally was always selling things, but I started to look at sales a little bit differently recently and look at it as almost a duty of sorts. Um, and also looking at all the ways it applies to life outside of getting people to pay you for something, Right. Yeah. And so I started, I, there was this story by, I think it, I want to say it was Jeff Walker from the, 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 the launch formula, yeah. but um, there's this story of how this guy ran into these women in the woods and they were all hiking and he's headed back to his car with his son and he realizes they're heading the wrong direction into freezing cold lake tundra and it's about to be dark and they're going to get stuck. And so he had to convince them that they were going the wrong way, even though they thought they were going the right way so that he could save their life. And so he, and they were out of water and food and all that because they thought that they were almost back at their car, but they weren't. So he ended up saving their life. And I, and I asked my husband this interesting question the other night. I said, if you are really good at communication, really good at sales, what problem would you solve, right? Because we could look at any war as the, the inability to communicate and come to a win-win scenario, Right. We could look at any marriage disagreement. We could look at all of the relationships and how um, there's breakdowns in communication and see how having clearer sales skills or or better skills to communicate would solve so many problems in life. Um, One of the guys that I I work with, my sales, he, he got to be good at sales because he had a life mission for sales. He would go into the ER after someone would OD. And it was his job to convince that person and their family to get him into rehab. And if he didn't do it, they had like a 70% chance of in the future dying from drug overdose. So he had to use his sales skills to save lives. And I think that that's just a great analogy for, for all the different reasons why communicating better and, and getting people to make the decisions they, they need to make to change their life and save their life are so important. Yeah, I, I think that's a great analogy because sometimes we get so caught up in the minutia of doing, you know, that we forget why we're doing it. And then also checking in with that impact for why to do it. And then to articulate it is always, like for me, I know I'm personally working on sales and marketing myself right now because I'm trying to launch so many new things and I have, I'm always in the do, like I'm a great yeah. doer. Um, and I also have done a great job in relational sales. I would not have built seven figures in my business last year if I, if I didn't know how to do that, Right. But the, the point is, I, I still know that I have to fine tune that not only in speaking, but in writing and all the different methods as well. And when you have something as extreme or, um, no, I don't want to use the word extreme, it's more like valuable as saving a life, you know, and managing those skills to save that life. That's a really great tactic on truly honing in on a skill yeah. with a purpose. 
Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, you think anytime you want to, you know, if you wanted to add someone highly talented to your team and there's so many different areas where essentially you're selling, you know, mm-hmm. um, even if you're, it's your own children, you have to sell your children on adopting the moral compass that you want them to have. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and they they have so many other input sources and so many other people selling them. How do you sell them on, on being the good person that you want them to be? So so I think once you kind of expand your view of communication and sales, it really helps because you start to see it as a duty to get good at it um, because that's your ability to impact lives. It's your yeah. ability to convince people to make the decisions they need to make to change their life. Yeah. One of the recent posts you did, um, I saw it's about also the different type of exchanges between people like, you know, that, that uh, it's not just about the monetary exchange. You know, and you talked yeah. about different uh, levels. Do you want? Do you mind touching on that a little bit? If you remember some of the other ones. Um, so there's two things that are coming to mind. I talked about there was one post where I talked about the the like seven degrees of separation. There have been other posts where I talk about the different types of currency. Yes. Um, and how it's not always just money. Right. So so one of the things you know, growing up very poor. Um, I always thought money would solve my problems. And then I got old enough to realize that, okay, money did solve a lot of my problems, <laughs> but it didn't provide me with... There There were still other things that I wanted and needed for, even, even with all the money in the world. And so I got to a point where I wanted other things like my life's work and purpose and all sorts of things. And one of the things I did kind of on my way to the top was I didn't prioritize relationships. Mm -hmm. So I got to the point to where, you know, I would go to networking events and -and so-and-so would hand me a business card and be like, oh, great. And I put it in my purse and I throw it away and I never call that person. I never email person. And I'd pray to God they wouldn't call or email me because I didn't have time for people. I was on a mission and I was, you know, I was building my empire. And then looking back at how foolish and young and dumb that was because um, of one of the things I said in that post was there are multiple forms of currency. The people you influence are a currency. Mm-hmm. So your audience is a currency and your network is a different form of currency and your mo- money is another form of currency. And so at any one time, if you're lacking one currency, but you have the others, you will be fine. But when you rely solely on monetary currency and solely on that value exchange, it can be difficult. One of the things that, that, that I apply this to is recently I wanted to go to this Pencils of Promise gala and it was this charity event. Um, and the tables ranged from 15000 to 50000 I could have, in my old mindset, said, okay, well, I need to get a check or transfer some money from savings or do this or do that and just buy the freaking table, right? But instead, I said, okay, what is my end goal? My end goal is this table. And I don't see the only way to get to it is money. I see that I have a network of influence, that I have um, friends, and I have all these other currencies that I can cash in. So I can cash in on the value that I've added to some people's lives um, that I didn't charge for. And then I can get something that I don't get charged for or, or whatever that really looks like. And so I ended up getting the table. But one of, one of the, the changes that I think has happened in me just kind of mindset-wise over time, is used to, if I wanted the Ferrari, I thought, okay, I need the $200,000. So then that's my guiding light. But now if I want the Ferrari, the Ferrari is the guiding light. And I can see that there's 32 million different ways to get it. 
And not all of those have to do with me hustling to get the $200,000. Yeah. And I think from a money mindset place, it's almost a level of elevation to where whatever you want is what you want and the means to get it doesn't necessarily matter. And I think also it gives me the power to pour into people's lives, to have these strong network of connections where I go out and I spend three hours at dinner giving people free advice that I could have charged them thousands of dollars for because I understand this is a different currency. Right. Um, So yeah. That's beautiful. And it's, uh, you know, you're that manifester too, right? I am. I am manifester. I I, I used to think it was just like I you know, anything I want, I find a way to get, which is still very true. If I want something, I'll get it. Yeah. Um, and I used to think, you know, part of it was hustle because I would work, work my butt off to get it. The other part of it was master plan because there were so many times in my life where things seemed impossible. Right. And so even when I first went to college, I actually skipped, skipped my last years of high school to go to college early, but I'd been suspended. I made C's and D's and I was probably the smartest kid in class, but that what you wouldn't have seen that based on my conduct record or my academic record, um, and so I had to find a way. Once once my inner voice told me you need to leave this freaking town, so I had to find a way to do it. Even though there, like I still had high school to finish, and I still had you know bad grades, and I had this and I had that. But I ended up in in just a few months getting multiple scholarships and figuring it out and getting there. But it, you know I had a master plan for it, and I certainly hustled for it. But it goes back to the core belief of, I believe that I could do the impossible. Right. And so that's how I could come up with a master plan. And that's how I could work towards it. Because if I never believed it was possible, if I didn't believe that I could turn that dream into that reality and that it was mine and it was happening, there's no way I could have followed up with the hustle and followed up with the master plan to make it happen. Yeah, it's it's awesome, and and is that then the what encompasses why you launched the one year project? Like, tell us a little bit about the one year yeah. project and and how that amazing energy of self management has now come into a program or method that you now work with. Yeah, others. yeah. So when I started the one year project, I was in this place several years ago, young to mid twenties, to where I felt like, okay, you know what? I've built and sold a ton of companies. I have money. I've partied on yachts with champagne. I've done, you know, I've gotten the cool car. I've gotten the house. I've traveled the world. Um, I had a beautiful husband, beautiful kids. Like I had everything I ever wanted, right? And at that time, I was working on my PhD. So I even had the education that I wanted. I had everything I could ever have aspired to, I had, but I woke up every day and I didn't want to live my life. Not that I was like, you know, suicidal or depressed, but it was just like, oh, do I have to check this email? Do I have to go to that place? Do I have to meet with this person? I didn't want to live a day in my life. And I thought maybe I could suffer through it for a few years, right? So I thought, you know what? I don't want to go to that PhD class. I just want to, you know, sit in my room and come up with crazy mad scientist formulas, (laughs) and not show up to anything. And I don't want to read these emails from my business partner. I just want someone to take care of that. And, and I don't want to you know, go take my kids to soccer practice. I don't want to do that. And so I built this entire life where I accomplished everything I wanted, but I still wasn't happy. So I said, okay, how could I achieve everything I ever wanted and, be, and, and not really be where I want to be? And I thought, well, maybe I set the wrong goals. Maybe I set goals that weren't going to make me happy. Happy. And then I said, okay, well, why would I set the wrong goals? Well, maybe those goals weren't aligned with who I was. Well, that's crazy. Why would I set goals that aren't aligned with who I was? And then, and then it came down to, 
well, maybe you didn't know who you were. And then I was like, okay, so let's assume I don't know who I am because I always thought I did, right? And let me go back to ground zero and try to figure that out. And also let me take a year where my guiding principle is, does this add joy? Does this make me fulfilled? Does this make me happy? Right? Um, And so I kind of, I opened up a PowerPoint and I titled it Brandon's I Checks Life. And I filled up with a bunch of stuff that I thought was, that just kind of made me smile and made me full of joy. And that I thought was where I should go. And I woke my husband up. I think it's like three in the morning. (laughs) I'm like, hey, babe, check this out. And he's like, what is that? I, and I was like, I was like, he, he's like, what is that? I said, why are you showing me a crappy PowerPoint? And I was like, that's not a crappy PowerPoint. That's my life. <laughs> and it was just like this huge thing. But the question I asked him in that moment, as I said, um, can I have one year? And it was a very powerful question, but also I don't think I knew what it meant at the time. I, a lot of the things I was doing were for, for uh, uh, so many different reasons, maybe to prove to certain people that I was intelligent or to do this or to do that. Or There's reasons why I was doing the things I was doing. I wanted a year where I could do things that people would say were dumb, that people would say were crazy. I wanted to exit the company that was making me a ton of money and I was only working three hours a week. Most people say, keep the freaking company, keep the money coming in. That's not sound business advice, right? I wanted to leave my PhD program and find a new one where I I fit in more. And most people would say, they're paying you to work on your life's work and you've won awards and you're climbing your way to the top. Don't give up that opportunity, right? So I needed a year where I could do things that would seem crazy, but that would make me happy. And so that's how the one-year project started. And I started documenting my, my one-year crazy, mad everything on social media. And at some point, I realized, I guess, my, my true calling in life. And it's interesting how it came to me when I didn't have any goals. It's interesting that it came to me when I was just seeking, what is the thing in this moment that would bring me joy? And through all of that, I, I kind of documented the one-year project. And, and I realized that I had a a natural gift to get anything I wanted in a short amount of time. Whether it was going from a server to owning a house in a couple months, or going from a server to making six figures, or going from six figures to having a seven-figure company. All of those happened in roughly a year or less. And in less than a year, I could really transform an entire life. And I did that through a combination of master plans and action and all these core beliefs. And Part of my PhD work was on predicting if an entrepreneur will be successful or not. So I dug deep into kind of building AI and cognitive science and the mindset and all those sorts of pieces. And I had what I thought was a pattern of the way successful entrepreneurs think that unsuccessful ones don't. And so I thought, okay, how do I take all of this, these things that are me that and impart them into other people so that they can have their one year? And so I, I wanted other people to have their own one-year project. And, and really, that's where it all began. It is so amazing and awesome that you led by example in using yourself as the kind of guinea pig of all of it, right? But truly, <laughs> yeah. it's also a growth spurt that occurs, I think, probably at the age you were at, you know, where, where you hit a level of accomplishment and then it's the now what. 
Yeah. Like, yeah. like, and I love that you paused and said, this doesn't fill me up anymore. It's time to up level. Like yeah. that discomfort of lack of fulfillment said, no, I deserve better. I know better now. I need to apply it. And then the fact that you productized it and now you're helping other people do the same. So, so who do you look for to join, you know, that, the one year project? Like, are you so, currently? Yeah. So I've, I've kind of evolved over time. So I started out helping people make a massive transformation in one year, regardless of who they were. And that could have meant anything. Um, mm-hmm. And then from there, I kind of transitioned into, well, I really love building businesses and I really love entrepreneurship. So how do I um, help entrepreneurs build a million dollar business in one year? That was the next thing I, I worked with people on. And then now I've kind of evolved and said, how do I help people become totally free in one year? Yeah. And so what that really looks like is how do, how do I get them to where they have no job or business they have to show up to 40 hours a week, right? How do I get them to where they have complete time freedom to where even if they have their own business, they aren't the ones with the burden of success on their shoulders. They have the right people and support and everything in place. How do I get them where they have location freedom, where they're not having to show up to places they don't want to show up to? And then how do I get them where they have complete financial freedom? And and one of the things that I, I realized right around the time my son got cancer, I said, you know what? If I would have stayed in that corporate job, everyone told me I was crazy to quit. I wouldn't have the money or the finances, or the time freedom, or the location freedom to take two years off of life and care for my son, right? Like I would have ran out of PTO so freaking quickly, and I would have had to second mortgage my house, and even making a few hundred thousand dollars a year, I couldn't handle millions of dollars worth of medical bills. I couldn't handle two years of no income. And so I want to help people get to a place of total freedom, to where you can wake up every day and say, what do I want to do today? And I think that is freedom. You can wake up and say, what do I want to do today? And you don't have to worry about how you're going to survive. And then you have the financial means to do anything you want to do that day. And that's really, um, that's, that's what I'm working on. And that's who I'm helping right now. It's, a, it's amazing. And it's going to have so much impact on so many lives because I feel like the traditional methods of, of earning are not enough anymore to sustain the lifestyle and like well, our, and, our and it's all very and stressful. Even, even at a high level, it's all very time for money. Yeah. And I believe our greatest currency in life is time. It's Correct. the one thing that you don't know how much you have until it's gone, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's the one thing that is very finite. I can get an infinite amount of money. I cannot get an infinite amount of time. So it's, it's our most scarce resource and it's our mo- most underused, abused, underutilized resource. So how do you fill every single moment with the maximum capacity of just joy and goodness and brilliance and all the things you're meant to experience because you only have so many moments. And so if I can take someone away from spending their time doing the things they think they have to do, the things that they don't want to do, the things that aren't filling them up mm-hmm. and give them something else. If I can help them get job freedom where they're not dependent on you know, slaving away and trading time for money. I mean, even the most brilliant people in the world, the, the world-class surgeons and the world-class lawyers, they're trading time for money. Yeah. It's just at a higher level. Right, yeah. professors, all the smartest people in the world are trading time for money, um, and then the real freedom comes when you don't have to do that. So, so that's really my mission. And I and I think when people don't trade time for money, they add more value to this world because they get to show up in who they were really meant to be. 
and they get to do the things that light them up. And, and a great example of that is one of the things I'm working on right now. Yes, I have the one-year project. Yes, I love the one-year project. But coming from a child in poverty, my heart always goes out to children in poverty. So one of the things I'm working on right now is I'm, I'm, a, I'm launching an incubator accelerator where I take impoverished kids from all over the world and I put them in an environment with mentors and, and teach them entrepreneurship as a tool to overcome poverty and help them launch their own you know, businesses and, and become successful that way so they can go back into their local communities and take the jobs and the knowledge and the mentorship they have and then spread that. So I wouldn't have had the ability to work on that if I wouldn't have total freedom. So this total freedom formula is something that most people spend their whole life never being free. And I'm, I, as you mentioned earlier, I'm fairly young, you know, um, yeah. I'm, I'm not even 30. So I've still got a few years before 30 and I've managed to get to a place of total freedom. And I think that that is, is one of the most beautiful gifts that I can give anyone is the freedom to just be and enjoy life uh, to a level that they haven't ever done before. It's such a gift, Brianna. I mean, and you are such a gift. And I am so honored to have you in my inner circle and and know the the value you bring to everybody you you have uh, time with or moments with. And even through all your feeds, watching you on Instagram and like following you um, when you travel and we're, we're unable to speak, you know, one-on-one. It's just, it's truly an honor to see you in action, but also know that like the impact is tenfold. And so I want to just thank you for giving me your time today and sharing a small piece of yourself with my audience, because I know people will be reaching out and wondering from you, what's the best way you would like them to contact you? Um, I think Instagram is probably one of the best ways. It's at the one year. And if you get on my Instagram, I have my my email and, and links and DM, and you can get a hold of me in a million different ways. Um, I'm one of the few people who does still answer all of my DMs, even though I get way too many. <laughs> and, um, but no, no, I, I have a heart of service and, and I want to help people reach that next level in their life. So to all of your listeners and all of the beautiful, amazing, successful people who are listening, please connect with me. Please reach out to me. Ask me the questions that maybe this conversation sparked ask me for the advice that you think is maybe necessary to get to the next level and just reach out because I'm truly here for you. I really appreciate that, Brianna. And I know that my listeners do too. And, and before we close out today's episode, I would love for you to define what do you think a badass is? I think a badass is someone who can be themselves even when it's difficult. I mean, that's really it to me. You know, my my whole life, I think I've struggled somewhat with fitting in. And then my guiding light has been that I'm different. So how can I have expected to, <laughs> to ever fit in, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. But it's it's hard. Like I remember like even right now, you know, people say they love my Instagram. Three, four months ago, I had people saying like, ew, I would never follow you. You look too intense. <laughs> or like, why don't you have more pictures of your children? Mm-hmm. Or... You know, you seem really aggressive and manly, and I would never hire you. And and part of me said, like, okay, put on a floral shirt <laughs> and get some like pumpkin patch pictures with my children. You know what I mean? Like part of me said, like, do that. And then there had to be something stronger in me, something more badass than me that said, you know what? I am strong, I am aggressive, 
I'm not going to a freaking pumpkin patch. Mm-hmm. I'm going to walk in a boardroom and I'm going to ask someone for a hundred million dollars and that's freaking me. And if that's too intense for you, then you aren't ready for me, right? right? And so I think that is a level of badass that even when it hurts to be you, you still are you. That's awesome. I love it. And it is so true, Brianna. Thank you so much for <laughs> yes. your badass self with us today. And awesome. I can't wait for our next conversation. So thanks Yes, again. I can't wait. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you to all the the listeners for taking your time out of your day to listen to our conversation. And I'm, I'm just grateful for all of you. Thank you for joining me today. Before you move on to the next episode, please post a review or share this episode with someone you think would appreciate it. Your feedback and support mean everything to me. For more information, check out yourbadassjourney.com or kareenwalsh.com. I truly believe everyone is capable of living a badass life. Thank you for listening.